Thank you very much, Evan. Good morning, Lindsley Avenue. How is everybody today? Very good. Uh, you may have noticed, you should be able to see here on the screen, we've got some words up there that are a little hard to read for some of us. Uh, we've been having some individuals visit who are Hispanic, speak about five or ten words of English. And so we're making an effort to make them feel more at home with us, to make them feel that uh, we care and want them here. And so the attempt is being made to put as much as possible on the screen into Spanish. I believe fruto del Espíritu bondad means fruit of the Spirit goodness. At least that's what Google Translate tells me. Uh, so we're putting the words to the songs at the bottom of the, uh, the slides in Spanish. The handout that you all have is being translated into Spanish and provided to them. And uh, we're, we're doing our best. They sit usually over here. They're not here today. One of them is not feeling well. But if you see them, it's okay if you don't know much of any Spanish. Just go up and say, Buenos dias. I mean, that's pretty easy. Good morning. Uh, or something, just to let them know that we're glad they're here. We're going to talk this morning about goodness. Continuing on with our study of the fruit of the Spirit, we're down to goodness. And I want to start off with two illustrations. There was a fourth grade boy years ago who had to wear glasses, had new glasses. And well, it's been a while since I was in the fourth grade. We will not talk about how long ago that may have been. But presumably, some people might be able to tell me whether it's still that way. But getting glasses used to be really bad because you would be called a dreaded, what, four? Four eyes. Four eyes, right? Why? I don't know, right? I mean, you want to be able to see, you wear glasses. Who cares? It's like calling somebody a tennis shoe because you got shoes, but whatever. But the dreaded four eyes, right? And so it could have been a bad thing, but this boy said it's not really bad at all. Why? Right? Some kids might be really, really uh, disappointed they had to wear glasses. He said, well, look at it this way. Glasses actually keeps the other boys from hitting you because the last thing they want to do is to break his glasses. They'd have to they'd be in trouble themselves at home. So it keeps the boys from hitting me, and it keeps the girls from kissing me. <laughs> so he was in the best of all places. The boys would leave him alone, and so would the girls. So he better watch when he gets contacts in the seventh grade, right? The boys may whoop up on him, and the girls may chase him. Maybe by the seventh grade, he won't find as much. So you can find goodness in most any circumstance. You can find goodness in nearly any circumstance. In the other illustration, uh, there's a scene from the movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Now, I don't know about you, but I happen to like chocolate. In fact, we made an excursion on our way back yesterday to pick up some chocolate. Chocolate's one of those favorite things of mine. And there's a scene in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory where one of the kids that gets the tour of the Chocolate Factory is just upset because she wants something. In fact, I think she breaks into the song, I want it now, right? I can hear it in my head, I want it now. And she is, of course, spoiled, rotten to the core. Because whenever she wants something, her parents have been giving it to her. Well, by giving the child what they wanted, the parents may have seemed like they were being good to the child, but in reality, they weren't. 
because it's bad when you see a five-year-old or a 10-year-old acting that way. It's really bad if you see an adult acting that way. So being good does not always mean giving somebody what they want or need. I think we'll see that when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, goodness, here this morning. So join me as we take a look at that. Kindness and goodness are very similar. We talked about kindness two weeks ago. Appreciated Evan, even while sick, filling in for me last week. But uh, you know, they're not quite the same. Goodness is more than a feeling, and it causes us to act toward other people in a certain way, a kindly manner. In fact, it's kind of hard to, to talk about kindness without the idea of doing something good for somebody else. It involves kindness toward others. Goodness involves being nice to others, doing good things, kind things for others. But from the perspective of the Bible, it's more than that. It's not simply doing nice things for somebody. It includes an additional aspect of honesty or firmness in how we relate to other people. And it's meant to try to encourage or point out to that other person they can change. Think about the Willy Wonka illustration, right? The parent should have said, no, you can't have whatever it may have been. I want a, a baby alligator. No, or whatever it may be. Because, you know, kid walks around with an alligator on his ear all some things need to be said no, or some discipline needs to be put in place that's actually good for the person. And so when we are thinking of goodness, often we'll think of kindness. We'll think of doing something nice, but that's because we're thinking in English. We're thinking in English. When you look at the words as they were originally written down by Paul here in Galatians, the word translated goodness here has more of this aspect to it of sure doing nice things for someone but not just nice things being honest enough to point out that somebody needs to change the way they're viewing the world in romans 5 15 14 this is paul writing who wrote Galatians 5 he wrote what we just read he says now i myself am confident concerning you my brothers and sisters so he could have been writing that to Lindsley Avenue. He could be saying, I'm very confident in you, brothers and sisters here at Lindsley Avenue, that you are also full of goodness. Well, I hope so. Well, we're all full of goodness, but what does that mean? Filled with all knowledge and able to admonish one another. Notice he didn't say you're filled with goodness because you do nice things for people, although we do our, our best to do nice things for people. Compared to many places you might go, I think Lindsley Avenue is very, very busy for the number of people that we have doing nice things in our community and for our neighbors. It's just who we want to be. But that's not what he says. You are full of goodness. Look at what he says next. Filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. He links goodness with knowledge and admonition of each other. It gives us insight into what he expected from the Christians at Rome. He was writing that to the Christians at Rome, placing before us a target, an approach to how we need to be able to deal with relationships in our family, God's family, the church. Think back again to how you might deal with children. Give a child everything they want all the time. That's not going to make them into a really good adult. I might 
I'm not going to call names, but I might point in this general direction right there and just ask this question. Have either of you ever been told years ago to stand in the corner because you got in trouble? Okay, let's have the rest of us. How many of the rest of us? Oh, he had to stand in the corner? Really? He had to stand in the corner? I can't believe it. I think all of us at one point got told to stand in the corner. Why? We needed some discipline. Was our, our mom, our dad, or whoever told us to stand in the corner, were they being good to us at that point? Yeah, they were. They were. Because whatever we were doing, we needed to realize we don't need to be doing that. That's the idea of goodness, really, truly, as it's described here in the Bible. And as a fruit of the Spirit. Kindness is more do nice things for people. Any opportunity you get. You, you, somebody drops a bag, pick it up for them. Somebody needs help, Boy Scout here. Getting across the street, you help them across the street. Whatever it is, you're doing good things for people. But goodness is being kind and understanding enough that if somebody's doing something that's going to be hurtful to them, that you admonish, that you encourage, that you point out, you need to change because this leads to a place you don't want to go. That's that whole idea, again, of discipline. So these two qualities present a very sound, appropriate method or vehicle for instructing each other on how to walk the walk. We'll read about what it means to be the follower of Jesus you can read it all day, how do I do it? How do I do it? Well, the best way to do it is with help. Walking by yourself is difficult, can be difficult, especially in the world. It's always good to have other family members, that's why I think we talked about family, and we talked about being a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And our family members help us understand, hey, getting off the path. You ever been, you know, walking somewhere and somebody starts getting off the path? I know if you go hiking, you want to make sure you're following that path. Otherwise, you got a long walk back to the car. Well, we all help each other stay on the path. That's what it means when we're talking about walking, walk, and goodness. Let's take a look. Without the necessary knowledge, without understanding what the right path is, how am I going to help somebody? Well, I think you uh, read it on the internet, so it must be true. And you give some answer to something, it doesn't mean it's going to be helpful. We study so that not only we can help stay on the path ourselves, but so that we can help others and admonish others. We have to have that kind heart, but the knowledge to help us keep people on the right path. So take a look. Goodness comes from God. We're going to see these aspects of goodness kindness, doing good things, nice things, but also this aspect of pulling people back to the right way from God. And that's who we are trying to be like. That's what we want to be, is become more God-like and God-like. So take a look with it. Exodus 34, verse 6. This is Moses here. Moses is, is seeing the, the, having the presence of God go nearby. And the Lord passed before him, before Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abounding in goodness and truth. Now, did God punish the people of Israel? <laughs> Absolutely, he did. 
trying to make sure they didn't go worship the golden calf, trying to make sure they followed him and followed his laws. This goodness was not Willy Wonka goodness. Right? That's not what we mean. That's not what God meant right here. Psalm 52, verse 1. Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? The goodness of God endures continually. Seeing somebody say, I have can do X, Y, or Z. Sometimes sports figures will brag about how often they did something that was immoral. As if that's something to look up to. So it's been going on for 3,000 years. This is not a 21st century uh, approach to bragging and looking upon things that the world considers good. Why are you boasting in evil? The goodness of God is always there. The goodness of God is going to point out evil. And if it doesn't catch you today, it will catch you at some point. The goodness of God, that instruction, that correction, that discipline is going to come to everyone at one point or another. One of my favorite verses from Psalm 34, we talked Psalm 34 some months ago. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because God is good. He's good all the time. But that doesn't mean that I always get what I ask for. You know, when we have a prayer, please let this pass from me, Jesus would say. When we pray, please let me get well. Please let this tense situation in my family get better. Please let this job situation get better. Doesn't always happen because having things work the way I want is not always going to be the best for me. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed, how happy is the man, how happy is the woman who takes refuge in him. Well, God is the one who protects us from the storm. God is the one who protects us from the, the troubles that are in the world. And so, do I try to fight my own battles, or am I going to let God fight the battle for me? You know, there's a passage in Exodus that's going to be the foundation of a sermon sometime later. It's on my list. Where God tells an individual, be still and let me fight you. Just be still. I've got this. It's kind of the message that he gave to this individual. We'll see it when we talk about it. But it's very true. Too often I want to solve my own problems. I come up with all these fancy plans where I'm going to get it all fixed. God is always good and God is in control. I need to take refuge in God much more than I need to be out there fighting all the battles, presumably on my own. Psalm 54, verse 6. Psalmist here says, Willingly I sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. Now this is the same David that a couple of chapters before had been confronted with his sin. And he was praying, praying for the life of the unborn child, the result of his sin, that the life of that child might be spared. It wasn't. God didn't give David what he was praying for. David took all of the shame, we'll talk about this this morning, 
David took all the shame that was heaped upon him openly because he had been immoral and he had somebody killed to try to cover it up. And yet, a couple of chapters later, he says, I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. The goodness of God is kindness and correction. Kindness and correction. Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. God's mercy, God's grace, God's loving kindness does not go away, but that doesn't mean we avoid correction. It does not mean that we avoid having our sins found out. We like to think, I can keep it quiet. You know, they, they say in politics sometimes the cover-up's worse than the actual offense, right? I mean, what, what are people thinking when they try to cover up stuff? God already knows. He already knows. What God wants is not for me to try to find some way to cover up something, but to confront my choices, to confess my choices, accept correction, and rededicate my life to living for Him. Our instincts are always wrong. As a people, I would say almost all of us wrong because our first instinct is so often, "Wow, I got to keep that quiet. Or I got to find some way to make sure nobody finds out." Well, don't do this too openly. But look around in the auditorium. Just take a quick glance. Find There are other people in here, right? <laughs> there are other people in here. If you have made a mistake in your life this morning. Yesterday, last week, last month, guess what? You're not alone. Despite the fact that no one else in the building may have raised their hand and said, I have really messed things up. We have. Because all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. The reason we go through confession in part is to make sure we all know we're all in this together. To make sure we know I am not the only one who makes mistakes. I think that's part of the reason why we keep, try to keep things quiet. While we try not to confess things. is because everybody else must be perfect. Because I don't see anybody else who confesses this, this, or this. Well, in the first century that does not appear to be how it was. Bear one another's burdens. So fulfill the law of Christ. It's tough to bear one another's burdens when we don't know about them. So preachers can stand up all day and beg for people if they have a problem in their life to come ask for, for prayer, to confession is good for the soul. I mean, you know, we all know these things and it won't happen most of the time. But what I want you to know is, even if you're not motivated today to bring something forward and, and look for help and forgiveness, if you've got something that's been bothering you, you're not alone. You can at least take it to God, because He already knows about it. He already knows about it. I like this one too. Again, it's been saying up here at the top, goodness is derived from God who is good. In fact, God and the word good share a common foundation in English. It's a 
synonym or was in the old days for God. Goodbye is God be with you. The contraction became goodbye. God be with you. God is good. Look at how Jesus was described by Peter at the conversion of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and what? He went about doing good. What does it mean? Well, obviously he went and healed people. He went and uh, fed people. He went and condemned people. He went and told people, go and sin no more. Good doesn't mean the will and walk of good in the Bible. It doesn't. Goodness is being kind to people, but also being in a situation where you can help people because it's not good to let people continue to dig their own hole and lead to a path, a place they don't want to be. Jesus went about doing good. We should as well. Back to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6, 18 and verse 24. This is Moses talking to the people of Israel, the children of Israel, before they head over into the promised land. And Moses says to the people, you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with you, and that you may go in and possess the good land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Why did God give all these commandments? Why did God require sin sacrifices and all these other actions to be taken? It was for their good. Because a focus on sin, a focus on our failure is not meant to get us down. It's not meant to make us feel broken. Here's a newsflash. We are already broken. Every single one of us is broken because we have lived sin. The only difference, if any, between any of us in that regard is that some of us, hopefully all of us, are being put back together every day by Jesus. It's for our good that God has called us to follow Him. Sometimes that means there is correction, there is discipline. Psalm 73, only a couple more here. I mean, you could go for hours, I won't, don't worry. You could go for hours because goodness is a very common theme in the Bible. Psalm 73, 28, but it is good for me to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. How near to God are we? Remember the whole fruit of the Spirit? basis is that it's not that you can work on being kind. You can't say, I need to be more kind. I'm going to be more kind this week. It's not that I need more patience. I will work on being patient. That's not where it comes from. It's not my fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit living within me. And the only way to have that fruit come from the Spirit living within me is to focus on being closer to God. The psalmist has it right here, of course. 
Psalm 73. Psalm 147. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. It is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. We did that earlier this morning. Sometimes psalms are meant to encourage us to respond for a change. We call that often the invitation psalm. All things are ready, come to the feast. That always makes me hungry. It's not talking about food, it's talking about coming to God. Harder one to hear sometimes is almost persuading. Almost. Almost. It is good to have a song of praise. Micah 6 8. He's told you, O oh man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? Notice what is good? Well, isn't good getting everything I want? No. Goodness that comes from God, the goodness that we need is to do justice. Justice is a very important focus of being one of God's people. Make sure that there is justice in the world, that the powerless, that the people who are taken advantage of receive justice. It's a very biblical thing to do. Do justice, love kindness, help little old men little old ladies across the street to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. The closer we are to God, the more we walk with God, the more these, these this fruit that comes from the spirit within me is going to grow. Very similar in Amos. It's very common throughout the prophets. Seek good and not evil that you may live. Now if I seek evil and not good, the implication here is that I'm not going to live. Seek good and not evil, God says here through the prophet, that you might live. I get it backwards. There's no assurance that I'm going to live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you as you have said. Hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gate. Justice pointing in. Hate evil, love good, make sure that people are not being taken advantage of. Psalm 86, for you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive, abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. When we call upon God, saying, Lord, I am a sinner. I have really messed my life up. When we reach out to God with a heart that's broken, when we reach out to God, saying, God, I need you, I need to come back to you. God is ready to forgive. That's one of my favorite verses in the Psalms. It's not something you've got to pry out of his hands. Okay, fine. There's not that kind of reaction from God. You need forgiveness? Okay, I guess. Right? That's not it at all. If you need forgiveness from God, he's ready to forgive. Remember? The prodigal son. The son went out and did all sorts of horrible things. The father was watching for him. And the moment, it's as if the moment the son took a step back, the father ran after him. That's the way God is for each one of us. The change in the heart that says, I need to get back right with God is that first step. God comes running. God comes running right after that. How did God provide this forgiveness? 
how did God provide this ability for us to be forgiven? Look at what is said here by Jesus in John 11. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. If it were up to you and me, if we were trying to figure out some way to fix our lives, we'd be going down the little escape hole in the Willy Wonka loop. You can't fix it. I, you, I can say that very confidently, everybody who's hearing me this morning has broken our own lives because we've all jumped into sin, both feet. But forgiveness comes when we turn our lives over to God. We say, I need you, God, because I can't fix this on my own. Jesus lived, he died, God raised him again from the dead. We have to believe and understand who Jesus was. We have to know what he did for us, paying the price for our sins. And we need to turn our lives away from living for sin and toward living for God. And then he asks us to be buried in water, to reenact that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, where when God raised him up, he had been dead and is now alive again. We raise, are raised up to walk in newness of life. Jesus died for you. Can each of us commit to living for him? That's the question I really want us to keep in mind as we sing this song invitation song.